Okay. Oh, sorry, I didn't bring up the... Uh, that's all right. I'm not quite strong enough to bring up the new lectern. You can tell we have bodybuilders who design things in this church. Love you, Stephen. Over-engineered. <laughs> yep. All right. I got to take my mask off. Guys, thanks for being patient this morning. Sometimes you get caught up in worship, and it's just like everything shuts off, and... I don't. So I, I missed my cue. <laughs> I love you guys. Thanks for being patient. Guys on the internet, thank you for being patient too. I know that the audio things have been tricky a little bit lately and we're working on that. Um, so just thanks for being patient and loving and kind. And uh, for those of you that are listening to my silky smooth voice, it's because my wifey is the best at what she does. So we thank you for that and honor you for that, Laura. Thanks. It's frantic back there sometimes. Like when there's a problem, like the AV is, is like a, a beehive sometimes, man. When there's a problem, it's like you got 10 people back there doing stuff that we're all trying to debug. It just gets crazy. Anyway, thermostatic people, that's what we're going to talk about today. So this week, um, I had the pleasure of writing our, our all-congregation email. And uh, if, you, if you didn't read it or haven't gotten a chance to read it yet, um, it's about being a thermostatic person. And... Um, and I draw a comparison between a thermometer and a thermostat. A thermometer is something that just displays the temperature, and a thermostat can change temperature. And I, I um, likened it to the reader in this way. When you enter a room that is filled with stress or negative attitude or uh, difficult personalities, you enter with a decision to make. And that decision is, am I going to be a thermometer and display this or am I going to be a thermostat and change this? You are, by, by the nature that God has put in you, a heavenly thermostat. Okay, You are not limited to just displaying what is in the room. You are absolutely powerful in every situation. And you can change the atmosphere around you. You can do that because the Holy Spirit lives in you and the Holy Spirit is powerful and because you bring a message of hope and salvation wherever you go. And I want to spend a little bit of time today looking further into this topic and encouraging you in this topic because I truly believe that you in this room, that you at home watching this, are life-changing, world-impacting people. You are a person that can take someone from where they are and bring them to where they need to be. And in that moment, you are changing a life. So when we say things like you're a life-changing person, it is not tongue-in-cheek. It is legit. You guys change lives. When you, when you bring the Holy Spirit into a situation and you change the temperature of a room or you bring someone from the bottom to the top, you're changing a life forever. Romans chapter 15, verse 1, we looked at this verse a couple weeks ago. It says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Verse 2 says, for their blessing, right? It's not, it's not for us. We don't do things to please ourselves. We don't help others so that we can feel good about helping, our, helping somebody. We do it to bless them, to help them. And I remember what I said about this verse, that you're not always going to be the strong person, and that's okay. But if you are the strong person, recognize, please, that this is your obligation. This is your duty. This is your job. This is for you. 
Find someone. Find an opportunity. Be that person that is strong for someone else. Who's been on a roller coaster before? Good. Then this, this should land pretty well. Um, I love analogies. God speaks to me in analogies, and I, I think it's wonderful. So when I talk about being a life-changing person, remember what it's like to be on a roller coaster. You get in the cart, and then you push off, and you generally go down like a small hill. And that small hill will either turn or go straight, and, then, and, and it brings you to the big hill. But you do not have enough inertia to get up that big hill, do you? No, because you just have this, like, this little small whoop, right? But it gets you there. It gets you to the bottom of the hill. And then what happens? You, do, you, you roll up to the bottom of that hill, and chunk, there's this big metal chain that grabs that cart and pulls it up to the top of the hill. Then after that, that chain does not go with the car on the rest of the roller coaster, does it? Nope, it loops right back down to the bottom, grabs the next car. That cart, however, now at the top of the hill, is free to go on and finish the roller coaster. In this role of changer, sometimes you don't have the luxury or the privilege to go on the ride. You have to go back down and get the next car. But that's what being a changer is. That's what being strong is. Sometimes we bring people from the bottom of the hill to the top of the hill and send them on their way because they were designed for good works that God before ordained. And them going on is doing their good works that God has before ordained. You're bringing people to that place where they can go and do what God is want, wanting them to do. And you're made for this. You're made to be this chain that pulls people. Because you see the beauty of God's light in everything, you bring hope. And you bring hope to hopeless situations because you recognize that there isn't a hopeless situation. And this is what you are made for so that you can go back to the bottom and do it again. <clears throat> In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus said, you will walk in light. And we've all been pretty vocal that we follow him, right? Well, guess what that means? You're not going to walk in darkness now, but you are walking in light, that you have the light of life, that wherever you go, you're no longer walking in darkness. You are bringing light. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if, Therefore, if anyone is new in Christ, he is a new creation. She too. I mean, it's not just guys. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In Christ, we're new. We're not, spit, we're not a spit-polished version of what we once were. We're new. We're not a refurbished version of what we once were. God didn't take the parts that worked and just stuck other parts in and, you know, kind of reworked you and made you refurbished and, you know, Apple can sell you at a discount now. No, you're new. You're all new. You're totally new. Everything is new, right? So here, here's what this looks like. In August, the boys and I were driving to the family night over at McDowell Park, and we got rear-ended. Now, everybody was okay. It was no big deal. But the bumper had a dent and a crease. And so we had to take it to a body shop to get fixed. So I roll into the body shop, and the guy, the guy comes out, and he looks at it for 20 seconds and then goes, you know what? We're just going to replace the whole thing. We'll take it off. We'll throw it. We'll put a brand new one on, and we'll, that'll be color matched from the factory. And I was like, I mean, it's not that bad. You know, it didn't crack. It's just dented. Like, so I asked him, couldn't, couldn't we heat it up? Not insurance is paying for this, so I don't particularly care, but I care for their time and effort. And so I'm like, wouldn't it be faster if you just like heat it up, 
pop out the dent, spray it, call it a day. He's like, yeah, that would be a lot easier. But once that dent is popped out, that area is not going to hold paint <clears throat> over time. He goes, that plastic is now changed, right? And so we can make it look good, and we can throw a new coat of paint on it, but as temperatures fluctuate and as time goes on, that paint is going to separate from that area, and it's going to crack and chip and fall off. So what would be better is if we just took the whole bumper off, even the parts that were good, throw it away, and put a new bumper on. Guys, that's what God did for you in Christ. He took your whole life, the good parts and the bad, he took it all and junked it, and then he gave you a brand new one and said, all right, now let's run, guys. When you are new in Christ, it is not reworked. It's new. That's a big deal. You're new. Your old dents didn't get knocked out and a fresh coat of paint to cover them up. Everything got replaced with new. Straight out of the package, right off the factory floor, new. If I don't hear an amen or something, like, I'm going to lose it, guys. Somebody on the internet better be, you be is, is the chat lighting up? Let's go. Come on. New, guys. Your life is wholly new. Matthew 5.14, Jesus Christ says that you're the light of the world and a city on a hill cannot be hidden. You are light providing direction in darkness. That's what a light does. If a city on a hill is lit and you're outside the city and you're looking for something, are you going to see a bunch of light at the top of a hill? Yes. And then you're going to have direction. Okay, i got to go that way because that's where the light is, right? That's exactly what you're doing. Your life is providing light in darkness. Ephesians 5, verse 8 says, At one time you were darkness, so you were darkness. But now, present tense, you are light in the Lord, so walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. The fruit of light, the fruit of what you bring is good and right and true. Second <laughs> um, Peter, or no, I'm sorry, First Peter 2, says you're a chosen race and a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, for God's possession. You're a people for God's possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness and into what? Marvelous light. Not in darkness anymore. What you guys bring is new light. This verse in, um, in the NASB reads this way. You are a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. God brings you to light and puts you in a position to talk about how good he is. Not because you know it, but because you are it. Ephesians 2, chapter 10. It says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, I like, I, I mean, I like all the Bible, but I like this verse too, particularly because God does the work, right? God not only designed you, he made you his workmanship. That word can also be um, master, translated as masterpiece, right? So you're God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for the purpose of good works. Well, guess what I don't have to do? Wander around and wonder what a good work is and try to set that up. 
because God has before ordained them. He's prepared them already for me to walk in them. So now as a new being of light, all I got to do is follow. Like God, this is, God says this is the track you're on. He hits the go button and then you just go. Has anybody ever tried to write a poem before or a story? Have you ever sat or a journal entry? Have you ever tried to write? I, I struggle with this all the time. Um, I will look at a blank page for hours and not put anything down. I, seriously, like, even if I have a topic, like I, I just don't know where to start. And sometimes that's what good works can be interpreted as. Just like you can do good works. Now go at it. Where do I start? <laughs> you know, like I would, I would just stare at a life, a blank life, and go, I don't know where to go, God. But thankfully, God is like, here's the track, go. Right? That's good works that He's prepared for us. You are enough right now for good works. Okay. If you feel like you're lacking somewhere, please don't not do something because you don't feel prepared for. It. Trust that God is going to provide you by his ability, his power, and his grace to do exactly what he set you to do. He's not going to bring you halfway up a mountain and then leave you and be like, well, good luck. He didn't bring you this far only to leave you. He didn't ask you to do something and not prepare you fully to do what he asked you to do. So trust that his ability will get you to where he wants you to be. Okay, guys? In Ephesians 3, it says it's God's ability, that he is the one that is able to do far more than we ask or think, according to his power, his ability, his grace, okay? Now, <clears throat> this is who you are, guys. This is, this is your nature. Not, I mean, not that this is where we're going, but like your nature is light, new, fresh, you know, powerful. Like you, This is what you're bringing in your life. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, Jesus Christ calls the disciples, and he says, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You have received without paying, give without paying. Now, in order for the disciples to act on this, they had to be in places where hope was low. Okay? They have to be in places where hope is low. Like, think about the last, well, the last time I was sick, I had the flu. I would love to say that I'm like one of those guys that in, in the trenches and when I'm sick, I'm like praising louder. I'm not there yet. I went, the last time I got the flu, I was like on the couch, sweating, crying, like, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass for me. <laughs> like, I thought I, yeah, I was there. I was at, that was at the door. And, and it was just going to all go black and that was going to be the end of Steve. <laughs> Hope was low, Right? When the disciples were sent out, though, they were sent out into that environment to, to be thermostatic people, to change that, right? Leper colonies, let me tell you something. Leper colonies are not fronts for the coolest parties ever, okay? But they had to go there where hope was low because they were, they were sent. They were sent forth. Now, I, I often re read this verse and wondered um, why Jesus Christ is like, heal the sick and cleanse the lepers, and I was thinking about that, so I started reading about lepers. So guess what? You guys are going to learn about lepers today. <clears throat> when, because to me, it just seemed redundant. It's like, I, if leprosy is a sickness, right? It's caused by a bacteria, and then you get sick, and, and it's, you know, it's curtains. Um, why would Jesus Christ be redundant? It do, that doesn't seem like him. You know, he's pretty clear. But he's repeating something twice here, so there's got to be more to it. So leprosy. 
when, in, the, in the lands and times of the Bible, when you were diagnosed with leprosy, <clears throat> you got kicked out of the city. Now, the city is where everything was. Your friends, your family, your job, the stores, like all of the things, all the marketplaces were in the city. And then there was a wall around the city for protection. And then outside of that, there would be like pastures and farms and things like that. And there would also be these colonies of, of lepers. This is where the lepers had to live now, right? So on Monday, you're at your job and you're crushing life and you're getting ready to go home and see your family, and then somebody is like, hey, uh, what's going on with your, uh, with that rash there, buddy? And you're like, well, I don't know, I just got a rash. And then they, so they, they take you off, right, and you get diagnosed, and you're like, oh, you have got leprosy. You got leprosy. They take you out of the city, out of your home, away from your friends, off your job, and they put you in a leper colony, and guess where you never get to go again? Home. Back to work. Within the city walls. You are stuck outside now, and that's it. And then when people come towards you, you got to ring a bell and announce, hey, I'm a leper. There's a COVID joke in there somewhere, but I'm not going to touch it. Uh, <laughs> but so this is what you had to do. This was that your life now was very different. On Monday, it was normal. On Tuesday, you get to live out in the, in, in, outside the wall and you never get to go back in. Guess how many resources are out there? Well, none, because the markets are all in the wall. Guess where your job is? In the wall. Even if you're a farmer and the pasture's out here, your job's still in there. So you don't get to go do your job anymore. You get to live with the rest of the lepers and be a leper. So it comes to me that <clears throat> I'm praying about this. I'm like, okay, God, well, what is cleansing a leper then? Cleansing a leper is healing a sickness and restoring a person to something they would never have again. This is not just about making a, 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 a systemic bacterial problem go away. This is about restoring a person back to their family, back to their friends, back to the, the place where they have impact. When you were a leper and you got cleansed, your life started over. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ sent out his disciples to make change and to be thermostatic to introduce the opposite of what was present. Where there is darkness, you will bring light. Where there is sickness, you will bring health. Where there is separation, you will bring cleansing, restoration, and unity. Where there is death, you'll bring life. You're a disciple, guys. Same power. Same power in you as those that were sent. And this is the level of change that we bring. Light to darkness. Wholeness to sickness. Restoration to separation. Life to death. This is what we bring. We did so good at repeating stuff last week, and we're going to do it again this week. I want you guys to just take a minute. We're going to say four things. And I, you can write them down. You can take a picture of them. I'll put them up on the, on the wall later if you want. Um, but we're going to just make some declarations here about who we are because the level of change that we bring is impactful. And if you bring it like Stephen Furtick or, or Craig Rochelle to a million people, that's awesome. And if you bring it to one person, that's awesome because impact isn't measured by breadth, it's measured by depth. You are impactful, and if it's only to one person, that's the one. So take advantage of it and nurture it.
be impactful to that one. This is what I want you guys to repeat with me. I'm a beacon of light. I am a spirit-filled hope finder. I am empowered to change. I am impactful everywhere. Jesus Christ sends you to be thermostatic, to introduce light and our God's glory. You are the one that can take someone from where they are to where they need to be. Amen? Amen. All right, guys, I love you so much. Thanks, Father, for this day. Thank you, Father, for these, these words landing hard in our hearts, Father, and making an impact and causing greater impact as we walk out on them, Father. Thank you for your promises, for who you've made us to be, Father, that in every situation we are light, we are health, we are wholeness, we are unity, because we're there and you're in us. Thank you, Father, that we bring this in our lives, that we become the thermostatic people, that we become the, the world changers, the impact makers, and it's in Jesus Christ's name for your glory that we pray these things. Amen. I love you.